Today's podcast is brought to you by Every Wednesday, a plan to inspire the people of Portland and support the place we call home. Let's get out of the house and spend some time with each other. Skip Zoom, meet for coffee, take your colleagues out to happy hour. Buying a gift? Ditch the internet and support a local maker by shopping in-store. Head into town every Wednesday and see what's going on at everywednesdaypdx.com. Welcome to The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week, where every Saturday we discuss the biggest news stories of the week with Portland's noisiest newsmakers, savviest culturistas, and some of the best journalists in the game. I'm your host, Brianna Wheeler, and I want to hear from you. So send your questions and comments to me, bwheeler at wweek.com. All right, y'all, enjoy the show. When rural veterinarian Stephen Milner's affair with his married tech Tanya Fandrich went belly up, Milner turned his attentions to Tanya's husband, Kenny, and over the course of several years, stalked and threatened him with increasing recklessness until January of this year, when Kenny Fandrich was found murdered, allegedly by Stephen Milner, who, despite multiple reports with Clackamas PD, was still emboldened to hunt Kenny, presumably to Kenny's death. Who was meant to protect the Fandriches? And how was Milner allowed to terrify and violate the Fandriches over and over for years, with virtually no repercussions? It's Saturday, June 3rd, and this is episode 126 of The Dive. Today I'm welcoming back Lucas Manfield, whose cover story, The Good Doctor, traces the series of events that led to Kenny Fandrich's death, including multiple GPS trackers, secret trail cams, an apathetic, dismissive police response, and even a screaming declaration of murderous intent. It's a lot, but Lucas is going to help us unpack it in just one sec. First, here's what I learned from this week's edition of Willamette Week. Jake Moore reports that since Portland began operating its first safe rest village, four additional villages have since opened up across the city, but not one of them has finalized a good neighbor agreement. That's a document signed by several parties to establish mutual expectations. The sticking point that's holding up the signatures? Background checks for village residents. Nigel Jacobs reports that a legal notice filed against Portland Fire and Rescue Chief Sarah Boone and the City of Portland alleges Division Chief Tim Matthews disciplined a senior bureau officer and close friend of Chief Boone's for belittling Portland Street Response employees over the use of personal pronouns. And the chief responded by sabotaging his career. Matthews was overseeing Portland Street Response, which sends mental health first responders and medics to aid people in crisis. PSR staffers that Boone sidelined Matthews, the Bureau's highest-ranking champion for their work. And on the back pages, this week's Potlander column breaks down weed's most prolific terpene, myrcene, explains what it is, what it does, and where you can find it. Now, let's chat with Lucas Manfield about his cover, The Good Doctor. Yeah. Basically, Tanya is working. She, I mean, she starts the Steve opens the clinic in like 2000. She starts working pretty much immediately there. They work together for 17 years professionally, largely, and then they have an affair. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the affair lasts from Tanya's telling super short lived. Um, and, uh, you know, then Kenny found out about it and then it was kaput. And that kind of started this whole saga. Mm-hmm. What happened when Kenny found out? 
Um, I mean, he was mad. Like Tanya tells me that you know he he kind of left town. He left town for a while. Oh. Um, he'd been working. You know, he he worked all over the West Coast. Um, he worked for the union. And they suddenly jobs everywhere. And he was a foreman. Um, so yeah, he was kind of out of town. But you know, they they called. You know, they kind of made up. And um, yeah, it didn't really. They got back together. When did Kenny and Tanya realize that they were in danger, or that Kenny was in danger? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, so basically what happened is it kind of started with, like, Miller, they they were just getting a lot of weird calls, weird text messages, then they got this super disturbing letter in the mail that was disguised as, like, badly disguised as union correspondence that, like, Kenny reads to Tanya over the kitchen table, and it's just, it's basically like, like, Kenny had an alcohol problem, and it was kind of telling them, like, drink yourself to death, everyone will be happier because of it, and, like, that's when, like, they started, they started piecing things together and realized, okay, this is all kind of coincidentally seems to be around the time after the affair that this started, it's probably Steve, and, uh, you know, it just kind of keeps getting worse and worse to the point where, you know, they're actually see Steve under their cars, you know, when they arrive back home. And that kind of, basically, it turns out, I mean, Steve Milner's admitted it, that he was, like, essentially tracking both of their cars with these GPS tracking devices. And, you know, the the police, and yeah, so they call the police, police come, and feel free to stop me at any point, because otherwise I'm just going to tell the entire story. But I mean, like, essentially the police come, and they talk to Steve, and he's basically like, yeah, Tanya wants me to do this. And he claims that he and Tanya are still having an affair. Oh. And that Tanya is afraid for her life. And, you know, there was some evidence, like, you know, they'd had, there was some, you know, domestic problems mm-hmm. in their relationship. Um, and so Steve Milner apparently was under the impression that Tanya was in grave danger mm-hmm. and that he could detract them. The thing is, he also offered a bunch of contradictory statements. He also claims that he was tracking Kenny because you know, he wanted to have privacy when he and Tanya were, you know, going off and having their affair. Um, so he seems to have, he's claimed to have multiple reasons to be doing this. Tanya has flatly denied all of this. Yeah. Repeatedly. I've talked to her for hours. I found her believable. Um, the twist here is that the police didn't find her believable at the beginning. Yeah. And so this kind of, this, this whole thing that I'm talking about here, this went on from like 2017 to 2022. Mm-hmm. It went on for five years. Like, Milner just keeps showing up. He's, um, you know, he's sending them letters. He's, he's doing weird things. Like, they, they're finding, like, it, it seems clear to the fanfictions, to Tanya, to Kenny, that, like, he's trying to break apart their marriage. Mm-hmm. So, like, they, they find, like, condom wrappers around. They find, you know, like, at one point, he seems to have, at least they say, um, hired an escort to kind of accost Kenny in a bar and then shot photos of it, and then sent them to the house, and then wrote, like, really awful things kind of on the back of those photos. Whoa! Kind of stuff. Like, it was just, like, really constant, creepy, creepy, creepy stuff. That is... Okay. What kind of reputation did Milner have? Or was was this completely out of left field? Sounds like, based on what I've read, he's such a beloved veterinarian in the community. Did anybody see something like this coming? I mean, certainly none of the, I mean, none of the clients I talked to and at least some of the employees I talked to could have possibly seen this come. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like people just kept telling me like, I mean, he either, you know, a screw either went loose or like 
there's a side of the story we're not being told because this is not the man we knew. So, you know, I, I kept, I kept, I heard that a lot. Um, you know, I mean, it, he, it was also clear, you know, that he had, I mean, he'd been running a vet clinic for 20 years. Mm-hmm. He was very much like to be in control. And so, you know, Tanya's theory of the case is that once he started losing control of her, he kind of, he'd retired around this period. He had a lot more free time. It seems like he kind of became obsessive. Um, right. So, I mean, there is evidence, like he retired in 2020. So, you know, his clients had known him for decades, mm-hmm. but it seems like something kind of changed around the time he was approaching retirement. So timeline wise, um, what Tanya quit working at the clinic, but she was still, was she still working for Milner? Like when all of this was percolating, all of these stalking allegations were starting to come up. Yeah. So she kept working there for a couple of years until 2019. Um, and as she told me, you know, I mean, like she'd spent her entire career essentially at this clinic. So like, she really didn't want, I mean, she'd helped build it. She didn't want to be forced out by this guy. Um, and so, you know, she kind of held on for a little while, but a big job. So it was a good five years that Kenny knew that he was in danger or felt that he was in danger. Yeah. So basically what happens is the police keep getting called and, you know, we got all the police reports and it's, it's very interesting to read the police reports in retrospect. Right. Um, because like at the beginning, the police essentially dismissed this as a domestic issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they had a lot of theories. Some of the theories seem more far fetched than others, but none of the theories really matched up to what Tanya thought was ha- happening. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, they were being stalked by an obsessive man. Um, so the cops didn't really do anything. And then what happened is that, you know, over time, Steve's stalking got more concerning in the sense that he was essentially telling Kenny that he was going to kill him essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kenny believed him and Kenny was telling, you know, police, he was telling judges, he was telling his friends, like, look, this guy is telling me he's going to kill me. Um, and so like Kenny basically gets a series of anti-stalking, stalking protective orders um, over time. And he just keeps pushing the police to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't. And then they finally do in 2022. Mm-hmm. So in 2022, what happens is that basically, like, essentially, like, I mean, it's, again, like, Milner didn't talk to me. His defense attorneys didn't talk to mm-hmm. me. I don't know what was going through his head. Again, he's accused of the crime. He's not convicted. Um, so we don't know precisely what happened, you know, with the murder. What we do know is that in 2022, he was essentially caught following Kenny to work. And... You know, this is important because this is something the prosecutors say he did repeatedly, half a dozen times over 2022. But it seems like Kenny caught him once. And so when Kenny caught him following him, he calls the police. And this time the the Hillsborough cops show up and they're like, they look through the voluminous evidence, like all this evidence that Kenny had been creating in these police reports. And they're like, dude, there's something that's wrong here. And so they're like, you know, this guy needs to be arrested. We're not going to do it. They tell Clackamas County to arrest him. Clackamas County actually doesn't first and then they get another report of tanya finding a tracker under her car a jiffy loop and then they do they have to i mean there's an anti-stalking order it's clear that they they basically finally they make a request to the maker of the tracker which arguably they should have done a long time ago mm-hmm. but they, they make a request and it becomes obviously clear that steve had bought and placed the tracker in yeah. fact, they, they even find that it was bought with a credit card that the cop literally reaches into Milner's pocket, pulls out the same credit card, and it's a credit card for his veterinary hospital. 
Oh. So at that point, like, there was very, like, it was almost impossible to put it down. So at this point, like, Milner is essentially, you know, he's in the justice system. They don't hold him in jail, but it's pretty clear that he's going to be facing some sort of charges. And so that's kind of when prosecutors now say he starts planning the murder. And so mm. he starts going back to Kenny's part. So basically, Kenny parks every day in his parking garage in Intel, kind of off on the side of the campus with the other, like, construction folks. And they, um, he basically, he follows them to work. He buys a disguise. All of this is like copiously documented by the police because Milner tries to cover this up. Like the most ridiculous thing about this entire story is that, you know, this is an aside, but you could imagine a world where like Steve had not planned this alleged murder, Mm -hmm. had gone there, Kenny dies. But if there's no video of what happened, you know, he has a good defense that it could have been self-defense. But the problem with the self-defense case now, which it's unclear what his defense attorneys are going to do if they're going to try and pull that or not, is that there's ample evidence that Steve planned this whole thing for months and months and months, and specifically planned it in such a way that he hoped that he would not be caught. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that he planned to do something bad, and he didn't want people to know about it. And so, yeah, I mean, he buys, you know, multiple beater cars, he uses them and the disguise, to go to the campus many times, Eventually, on the day that Kenny's killed, he you know covers all the security cameras with blue paint, and then uses one of the beater cars that he bought earlier to kind of pull up beside Kenny's car. There's a struggle; we can't see it because of the paint, and you know Kenny's later found dead. Mm-hmm. Will there be? I know this is out of pocket, but will there even be any repercussions to the Clackamas sheriffs because they just? dismiss these gps trackers they dismiss tanya's interview great question um you know i looked into it a little bit i mean obviously i tried to talk Clackamas. i mean they they weren't super forthcoming about their reasoning on this but they didn't have to because the reasoning was literally written into the police reports where they're saying they didn't believe Tanya. Mm-hmm. so i mean frankly frankly this is very 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 common i mean if you read the research particularly on domestic violence i like generally the research is on when domestic situations yeah. where one person kills the other. And in such situations, it is almost always perceived by stalking, right? And like, and so like, it's very, very, very common in the sense of where someone is murdered and they knew them. And, you know, there was some sort of prior intimate relationship for it had to have been preceded by stalking. So like, and stalking is very, very difficult to prosecute, right? I mean, like, if you just, I mean, we just pulled the numbers recently you know it's it's becoming more commonly prosecuted in oregon mm. but like again as we see in the police reports you know it, it, it very much is a he said she said situation and it, at least from what we saw in clackamas you know they were reluctant to kind of rise view it as rising to the level of crime so there is a reason to believe that bilner's impetus was protection of tanya he was trying to protect her from what he thought well, was an abusive husband? Claim. I mean, that, that is his claim. He's made that claim to cops in the past when they arrested mm. him for, or, you know, interviewed him, didn't always arrest him. Yeah. But that was a common, frequent claim of his, mm-hmm. uh, that he thought Tanya was in danger. Is uh, there any police reports that back that up? Is she going to yeah. the police? Yeah, there oh. are. Oh, no, no, no. The police reports back up him saying that. Was she in danger? I mean, I flat out asked Tanya, were you in danger? Mm-hmm. And she says no. We, but she does admit they hit each other. So there, there was, you know, in essence, domestic violence. Yeah. But I mean, not. I mean, 
and like so there had been a the one time that I was able to find where there was a police report from domestic violence in their household, Tanya had actually been taken to jail. Um, and she tells me what happened. She doesn't remember, you know, very clearly what happened, but, you know, Kenny was drinking. She tried, tried to take away the drink. Um, and, you know, it glass shattered, ends up like um, cutting Kenny in the ear. Um, so, I mean, there were certainly instances like that. Yeah. But no, I mean, there's no police reports that would be beyond Milner saying it. Mm-hmm. back up, you know, the claim that Tanya was actually in, in danger. Wild. What is it that makes stalking so difficult to prosecute? Do you know? Yeah, I mean, I didn't get a excellent answer from, like, an expert on that. But, I mean, if you, like, in, in some of the reports I've read, I mean, again, domestic violence, you know, even in the case where you look at where with Kenny and Tanya, where Tanya was taken to jail, charges were not filed in that case. It's not clear what happened, but I imagine maybe Kenny did want to pursue charges um yeah so i mean it's it's a difficult thing Uh, maybe this is a little bit out of pocket too do you think that there's a possibility that this case could change the way that stalking is prosecuted i mean i doubt it Uh, i mean yeah what was the hardest thing about reporting this story i mean it's just very I mean, this is relatively recent, right? This happened in, you know, a few months ago in January. Um, you know, family, friends, everyone is just utterly devastated. I mean, he just had, like, kind of like a memorial service, like, a month ago, but fairly recently. I mean, it's still super, super raw, um, very, very upsetting, you know, kind of to everyone involved. Um, and, yeah, I mean, particularly people that knew Steve um, very, very much did not want to talk to me. Um, you know, as I kind of put in that story, you know, I made efforts to kind of go out there and talk to his neighbor, figure out who was living in the house. And it was made abundantly clear to me that this was, in fact, a dangerous thing for me to do. Uh, really? So, dangerous? Yeah. Why? Who's coming after you because of this? Basically, so basically, like, they, their houses are all in the end of a no trespassing road. So, you know, if I go up to their house, I mean, you've seen it in the news nationally. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> People getting shot yeah. for going up the wrong road. Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was made clear to me that they did not want me to be. Um, so, I mean, just just to say that, like, you know, no one really, people value their privacy. And that's kind of what this story, you know, in essence, is about, you know, a violation of privacy at the beginning. It just got out of control. Thanks to my guest, Lucas Manfield, and thank you for joining me. I hope you'll join me again next week. Until then, bye!